0: Alright, you hear me? I'm all kinds of behind I'm out of sync I said the elders pray for me Because so I feel like uh, I'm out of sync You know, and um, as, a, as a church leader As a speaker It's, it's nice when you can appreciate And be exp- experiencing what you're actually teaching about And I'm not So, I, nevertheless, I feel like it's what I'm supposed to teach on We're going through discipleship right now And, um, and so we're, That's why we're late I'm running late Behind, because we—I just had the elders, the leadership team pray for me. Um, I'm going to talk today about uh, what's the most important thing in being, in terms of being a disciple. If I—if if there's one thing that we could talk about, there's one thing that's important. Uh, what is the most important thing? And so I googled most important. I googled most important, and I just want to show this video because this is the video that came up when I Googled this. And it says, the title of it is the most important video you will ever see. I'm like, I better watch it. It's the most important video in the world. I better watch this video. And so, uh, so here we go. I want I'm to share this with you because it's a blessing. It's the most important video you will ever see too. Here it is. Well, it's a real pleasure to be here and to have a chance just to meet with you and talk about some of the problems that we're facing. Now, some of these problems are local, some are national, some are global, but they're all tied together. They're tied together with arithmetic, and the arithmetic isn't very difficult. And what I hope to do is I hope to be able to convince you that the greatest shortcoming of the human race is our inability to understand the exponential function. So you say, well, what's the exponential function? This is a mathematical function that you would write down if you're going to describe the size of anything that was growing steadily. If you had something growing 5% steadily. shut it down. I'll just say this, that's a nine minute video and it's the first in a series of eight. So if you wanna go on YouTube and, and Google what's the most important thing ever, that's the video that will come up I just want to, I want to read a quote that he says, you know, just so you don't miss it today, you know, the greatest short, this is what he says, the greatest shortcoming of the human race is its inability to understand the exponential function. Now for all of us, but Tom Rossi, we're like, (laughs) are you kidding me? How does the exponential function relate to anything in my life? How could that be important at all? Are you kidding? That's the most important thing. There's a quote under one of the comments in the video. Uh, <laughs> this, this is the first comment under this video. This is what the guy wrote. It is truly a very important video because, of, because if people actually understood this, we could save ourselves. And yes, watch all eight. It's crucial to understanding what this all means. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The, the most important thing is that we understand the exponential function. I promise. I promise that's not what I'm going to talk about today. I Googled exponential function next and couldn't even understand the definitions of it. And so uh, you're going to have to do that, do that on your own. But I, I, I did start thinking about, and I've been praying about, as we've been in discipleship. You know, we're talking about connecting, growing, and serving. We're in this area. On Wednesday nights, we had our first Wednesday night deal. We're talking about discipleship. We're creating opportunities for you to come with your families. We have amazing children's ministry going on they're doing iMovies of the bible it's really cool and we have a number of other courses that are being offered uh, with the purpose of creating opportunities for us to grow as a church in discipleship and the last few weeks we've been talking about kind of the, the dangers of that you know the dangers that many of us have come from is that it's all about knowledge we've said you know it can't be just about the way that we think You know, we have to be led by the Spirit. We have to take risks. We have to be walking in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be leading us. I'm gonna be talking a little bit more about that, but, but risk is not the most important thing. Being led by the Spirit is not the most important thing. Walking in the Spirit is not the most important thing. You know, Tom talked about grace. Grace is not the most important thing when it comes to discipleship. The most important thing when it comes to discipleship is not the exponential function. The most important thing when it comes to discipleship is love. Love is what's most important. Love is what separates us as disciples of Christ from the rest of the world. If we are gonna be disciples of Jesus, we need to be intentional to learn about love, to live in a way that demonstrates that we love God and that we understand and experience God's love for us. And in Matthew, we see Jesus making this very point to the Pharisees. He says this in Matthew 22, 34 to 40. And this might be a familiar passage to you. If you need a Bible, we have these new Bibles that came in and they're free if you don't have a Bible. We'd love for you to have a Bible. We love the Bible at River City Church. We believe it's God's word. And everything that I read on the screen, you can find in this Bible, every single thing. I promise we don't add to it and we're not gonna take anything away because bad things happen to people that do, okay? And so, again, this is Matthew 22. This is the first gospel. And again, we'd love for you to get one of these. They're by the polls, I think. Are they by the poles? Yep, they're by the poles. So if you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible, take it home, it's a gift, all right? That you paid for with your tithe. Okay, here we go. This is what they say. But when the Pharisees, this is what Jesus is saying. But when the Pharisees heard, Heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. The Pharisees and the Sadducees kind of were against each other. Okay, so they were kind of the Pharisees were kind of excited that Jesus kind of shut them down. Okay, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the uh, Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer. Now, that's actually a positive connotation as I study things, Ed. You know, don't worry, we're calling you out here, and the rest of you liars in the house. Someone who was familiar with the law, a very religious person, someone who knew what they were talking about, and they had gathered together the Pharisees, and they had kind of picked their best representative. And what's cool about this is this isn't an argumentative or a negative conversation. And some of the rebukes that Jesus has with the Pharisees or the Sadducees, we see Jesus kind of condemning them or pointing a finger at them, saying, You don't know, I mean, pretty harsh words, but this is not one of those exchanges. This is a very grace-oriented exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees. And the sense we have is that this is a true and honest question that this lawyer, that this Pharisee has about the greatest commandment. And man, again, the Pharisees were all about obeying God's law, wanting, you're here at church, Bonnie, that's amazing. That's great. Okay, anyway, she had surgery this week. I didn't see you, but anyway, that's great. You know, but the Pharisees are really wanting to understand. They wanted to obey God's law. The problem was they added so much to it, they become a burden. And so in this exchange, like us, there's a part of our heart that I think genuinely desires to serve God with all of our life. Genuinely desires. Hey, tell me, tell me the one thing. Tell me what it is, Jesus, that I need to do. What is it? What is the greatest thing? that's involved in me loving the Father and me being a disciple of yours. And so this is a positive exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees, okay? And one of them, a liar, asked him a question to test him. To test him. Teacher, what, what is the great commandment in the law? What is the greatest commandment in the law? What is the greatest commandment in the law? What is the great commandment? What is the greatest commandment? I don't know which that says. Which is the great commandment in the law? I think it's the greatest in the text maybe. Let me look at mine. What's hanging me up here. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Yep, it's great. Okay. <laughs> well, and he said to him, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And we read this commandment all the way, you know, in Deuteronomy and, and all the way through the Old Testament and in every gospel. We see Jesus communicating this reality. And then in Romans, we see Paul adding on to it. Or not adding on to it, but reaffirming it in another way. He says this in Romans 13:9. Again, where can you find Romans 13:9? In your Bible. It's in there. All you have to do is look for it. It's in Romans, okay? For the commandments. This is what Paul's saying, okay? For the commandments, you, should not, you sh- shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And again, you could add anything on that. You shall not look at pornography. You shall not, you know, get wasted. You shall not smoke crack on Sundays. You shall not, you know, be mean to your little brother and sister. You shall not. Paul's just making a broad statement, okay? It's a broad statement, not specifically. You might think, I don't do any of those things. I'm fine. You know, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, Add anything you want to that. All the ways that we obey God, okay? Or that we desire to obey God. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love. You shall love. That is the greatest and most important thing about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna tell you why. It's not just because we should. It's not because we feel better when we do, and it's not be, it's not because of the normal reasons. I think that we would think it, we, that we should. You know, I've been listening to. I want to read to you this um this quote. Uh, I, I googled whole heart, loving God with our whole heart. What does that really mean? And I got some I got some songs. And there's this uh, band that that uh, one of my sons has been listening to, and he happened to mention it to me. And uh, I was in the shower last night and I felt like when I was preparing to work on my talk to finish it, because I, I finished it on Friday, really, but I want to work on it more. I felt like I said, Google, like look for this lyric in secular songs. And so the song that came up is, the so- is from the band. I'd never heard of them before that my son Chase had been talking to me about. It's Mumford and Sons. Okay, so this is the pitch. Does that make me sound cool? If you know Mumford and Sons, raise your hand. See all the cool people in church. See that makes that gives you some credibility with you right there. Hanley knows about Mumford and Sons. Well, I didn't know before yesterday. Okay, but this is a quote. This is a quote from one of their songs. Um, that, that, that they said. That's not it. I have two in here. This is what it says in Mumford and Sons, and this is the, the name of the song is called "Awake My Soul." It's a great song. In these bodies, we will live. In these bodies, we will die. Where you invest your love, you invest your life. Where you invest your love, you invest your life. See, this is why love's so important. Love demonstrates. Love is the foundation for trust. And when we trust somebody, if it's anybody, a person or God, if we trust them, we will allow them to lead us. We will allow them to speak to us. And so for us in our relationship to God and being a disciple, if we love God with our whole heart, we will trust him with our whole life. And if we trust God with our whole life, we will allow God to lead us and transform us and use us in all of our life. Does that make sense? Love is important because without love, we cannot trust. If we don't believe God loves us, then we will not trust him with all of our life. And if we don't trust God with all of our life, we will compartmentalize our life and believe that some of it belongs to God, but not all of it, which means that where does the rest belong to? Well, it belongs to me. It's about me. It's about my glory. It's about what I do for God. It's about my effort. It's about my strength. And so loving God and understanding his love for us is so important because it is the foundation for our allowing God to transform and lead us in all of life. Last week, Alex said that discipleship is the call to intimacy. He said, where there is no risk, there's no faith. Where there is no faith, There's no power or joy or intimacy with God. Love is the foundation for risk so that we can have faith, so that we can experience his joy and his power in our life. It was Jesus' love for his father and understanding his father's love for him that allowed Jesus to trust his father with all of his life. You know, in some ways, I think, well, well Jesus just had this, like, supernatural ability to just, like, like, he had, you know, he had, like, this ability to just do what the God wanted. Like, he, wasn't, he didn't have any sin. Like, he, he just, he just kind of did it. No, no, no. Jesus came as a human being. He was fully human, like you and me. And what allowed him to hear the Father, what allowed him to obey the Father, what allowed him to stay obedient to death, was his understanding of his father's love for him and his love for the father. Jesus was so undivided in his devotion to his father. His heart, his whole heart was dedicated to his father's purpose and mission. His whole heart loved his father. And as a result, his whole life reflected perfect obedience to his father's will but it would not have happened without the understanding of his father's love as the foundation for all of his life and all of his decisions it's what allowed jesus to do what he did and in the same way we have to have undivided hearts towards god our hearts you know what if you what if you show up on valentine's day this would have been a great talk last week because it's like about love right what if you share up on Valentine's Day with it like a big box of candy, flowers, I mean, all the goodies. That I mean, you knew your, life's, your wife's love language or your girlfriend's love language inside and out. You showed up with everything. You're like, baby, here's, here's this diamond ring. Here's a box of candy. Here's the flowers you love. I love you with, you know, 50% of my heart. I love you with 50%. Oh, no, you didn't just say that to me. Wouldn't matter, would it? All the gifts wouldn't matter. If we said that to our wife or to our girlfriend or to our husband, if we said those things, it's just not gonna get us very far. You know, it's just not. Because basically we're communicating, yeah, I love you with about as much of my heart as I desire to love you. And the rest of it, I'm gonna kind of save for other things because I really don't trust you with those areas of my life yet, okay? And marriage really is the great analogy of this journey in our life. You know, the more, the longer we're married, the the more we learn to, to trust our spouses with more and more of our wounds, our brokenness in our heart. And the result is our love grows deeper and deeper and deeper. Jesus trusted God perfectly with all of his life, loved God perfectly with all of his heart. Because he loved God with all of his heart, all of his soul and all of his mind, he was able to do everything that his father required of him, required of him. And Jesus, in this scripture, he teaches this simple point. You know, this is probably one of the most studied passages in God's word. You know, the greatest commandment. There's tons of sermons written on it. There's turn, tons of books written on this. But I think the message is a very simple one that we miss. So I'm not going to get into a lot of the, the ins and outs, Of what this means, you know, of what is underlying all this. Because I think it's simple. I think it's on the surface level. But Jesus teaches us here. You know, it's with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. All of those components of who we are must cooperate together if we're going to love God with all of our heart. If we're going to learn to trust God with all of our life. You know, the heart here, it's described as the hub of the wheel of our existence, the mainspring of all of our thoughts all of our words all of our deeds that's what the heart represents so think about it. all of your thoughts all of your deeds all of your work all of those words that you say everything that is reflected in the heart and you have to everything all of those things have to be committed to understanding God's love and loving God and how we worked that out the soul this is very this is confusing so I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it but the word here, the soul, is just, it's hard to describe. It's kind of hard to get a handle on what they're trying to say right here. But um, it's kind of, they say it's the, it's, the, it's the seat or the foundation for all of our emotional activity. The sum total of life that is above the physical. Okay? So whenever we talk about inner healing, we talk about emotional, our emotions and all those things, that's the soul. Okay? And so think about that. You know, all of our emotions should be aimed at and working with our heart to love God. And we should be experiencing God's love in that area of our life in terms of our soul. And the last one is the mind. Not only of his, you know, we're talking about our intellect here, but it also specifically talks about our disposition or attitude, our attitude, the way that we think, you know, our attitude about things. If we're going to love God like Jesus did, We have to learn to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And so, again, the point here that Jesus is making is that we should love God with all of these faculties that he has given us. With every one of these areas, they need to work together for us to have the love relationship with the Father that's required so that we will trust him with all of our life. We must use all these powers. And again, Jesus, in and, and, and these verses, whenever they write these things, you know, in ancient languages, when you repeated things, it emphasized, it stressed the importance of them. And so we see, again, all of your heart, all, 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 with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, your whole, your whole, your whole, everything, your whole being, again and again and again. Jesus is saying this in repetition to emphasize the importance of all of these things in our life working together for the purpose of, of loving God. That is the most important thing. It's the greatest commandment because it takes all of us to love God. Another Mumford and Sons quote this is in her song, White Blank Page. God, I'm so hip. I am like the hipster preacher. He says this. I don't even know who he is, but he says this in the song. This is called White Blank Page. You desire my attention, but denied my affections. My affections. He sings it like this You desired. No, I'm not going to say that. Okay. (laughs) You desired my attention. You desired my attention, but you denied my love. You denied my affections. My affections. We want God's attention. We want God's favor. We want God's blessing. We want God's approval, but we deny the desire he has for us to love him with our whole heart. We don't want your love. As we experience his affection, as we experience his love, it will cost us something. Because as we experience his love and we understand his love for us, and we, what will happen? What I tell you happens when we experience his love. We trust him. The natural result of understanding someone's love for us is that we will trust them more with that area of our life. And when we trust God with that area of our life, what happens? We're screwed. We lose control. We lose control. We can no longer manage that part of our life because we trust God with it. And when we trust God with something, he says, yeah, you gotta go. When I say go in this area, you trust me. But we don't, we don't choose to trust him. We trust him because we've experienced his love. The point is that God's wholehearted love, his wholehearted love for us must be answered with our response of a wholehearted desire to be loved by him and to love him. When God loves, when God I mean, think about this, folks. When God loves, I mean, he loves big, he loves with everything. It says that God loves, not just Jacksonville, not just the United States. God loves the world, the whole world. God loves the whole world. And when we talk about in particular, you, God loved you. God loved you so much. So he sent someone. He didn't just send anyone. He sent his only son. How much does God's desire to love? How much does God love you? How much is the price? I mean, he paid a price for you, but it wasn't money. It was blood. It was his greatest affection traded for you, for your affection. Yet that's what we deny because we're afraid when we allow God to love us in those new areas of our heart, we will learn to trust him with those new areas of our life. And when we trust God with areas of our life that are new, we lose control. And that's just scary. And that's the... That's the struggle that we're in. That's the struggle that we all have. And so we see this difference between us and Jesus that I talked about earlier. You know, Jesus, all of his actions came out of his love for his father. I'm going to compare a, an undivided heart and a divided heart, Jesus and us, okay? All of his actions came out of his father's love for us, okay? Out of the love he knew his, his father had for him and he was able to trust the father with every area of his life. Because he ex- had experienced God's love in every area of his life, with his whole heart, he experienced them. He was able to trust God with every area of his life. Does that make sense? We've been talking about that for the last 15 minutes. That better make sense by now. Okay? Alright? And, and so, because of that, Jesus saw all of his life as God's purpose. All of his life open to God as a playing field for moving his father's kingdom forward. And that required Jesus to be fully dependent on God because we can't do God's work, kingdom work, unless we have God's power, unless we're dependent on God. So Jesus' life was dependent on God because all of Jesus' life was about discipleship. All of Jesus' life was about building his father's kingdom because all of Jesus' life, he trusted in God. And he trusted it to God because all of Jesus' heart, all of his soul, all of his mind had experienced the fullness of God's love. Now compared to us. Some of our actions, some of our actions do come out of our love for God. But some of our actions also come out of our love for ourselves. Because we're selfish. And we like to be comfortable. We like to be in control. We love ourselves. Some of our actions are committed to serving God's purposes and building His kingdom. You know, Some of the things that we do, when people see them, when we reflect on them, they're absolutely committed to God and building His kingdom. They're absolutely reflective of us trusting God in that area of our life. Believing that God, I believe that God loves me with this area of my life. I believe that He sees this part of my heart. I believe that I can trust Him. And because I trust Him, then I'm going to allow Him to lead me in that area. But we're also committed to building our kingdom. We're also committed to ourselves. I mean that's just the struggle that we have. We have a divided heart. And so we're dependent on God some of the time, but we also really depend on ourselves some of the time, don't we? And the reason we can depend on ourselves some of the time is because we don't see all of our life as discipleship. We don't see all of our life as purpose for building God's kingdom. You see, the greatest danger of having a divided heart is that we compartmentalize our life. And when we compartmentalize our life, we allow God and we believe the lie that God wants to use part of us or part of my life belongs to God, but not all of my life belongs to God. And when we don't believe that all of our life belongs to God, then we, don't, we believe that we don't have to trust him with all of our life. And when we don't have to trust him with all of our life, guess what? We don't have to love him with all of our heart. See how everything's connected? But Jesus tells us in the scripture, here's what's the most important thing, that you love God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your mind. Because he knows if we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul and all of our mind, we will trust all of our life to him because we will see it as needing God's power and God's leading in our life to accomplish God's purpose. Now, this isn't easy. I'm just saying This is not easy. And we're all on this journey together, working out what it looks like to love God this way. What does it look like to be a disciple? And the root of this talk was a thought that I had. When I thought about our church, I thought about myself being a disciple. And it was this compartmentalization of our life, believing that when I show up on Sunday, well, that part belongs to God. And now I'll show up on Wednesday, I'll learn more about God, and that part of my life will belong to God. I felt like I said, no, 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 Antley. All of your life belongs to me. All of your life is discipleship. Everything that you do, everything that you say, all of your thoughts, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, everything is for my kingdom. It's for my purpose. Discipleship. The reason love is so important It's because if we don't learn to love God with all of our heart, then we will never allow him to lead us and to use us in all of our life. I think it's why in this scripture, Jesus, you know, tacked on, so to speak, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And Paul reemphasizes and love thy neighbor as thyself because it forces us to move beyond just how we think and how we emotionally or spiritually interact with God. Like I could tell you, yeah, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, absolutely. And you wouldn't be able to tell me different. But you could see if I love my neighbor as myself, couldn't you? You'd see by how I'm living if I'm living my loving my neighbor as myself. Because that requires us to allow God's love to penetrate difficult and out of control areas of our life. It's messy to love our neighbor. It's really messy. I've experienced this recently. If you've been following me on Facebook, we just built the skateboard ramp. Oh my word, it's huge. It's 16 feet wide. It's like off the ground, six feet high. It's amazing, right? And so we built it like three feet off my neighbor's fence. I didn't know I was building it three feet off his fence because when I took down the chain link fence, I thought that was my fence, but it was his fence actually. And so we're building our half pipe and we're like sawing and hammering and screwing and like putting everything, it's loud. And, you know, we get it built. We finish at like seven o'clock at night, right? So the kids are like, so we're holding up like a fluorescent light, letting them skateboard on it. You know, we're like following them on the ramp, going back and forth. They're skateboarding on the ramp. And sure enough, he comes out and he's just like, yeah, it's eight o'clock. You need to stop. And I'm like down. the fence. I'm like hiding. And, you know, Cole's up there like, he gets down, he gets down. And, you know, and then, you know, something else happens the next day. He tells one of our kids, like, stop peering in my windows. You know, I mean, we're like in his business. We're on his property line and his house is, you know, where the sound booth is. And we're on the platform. We're standing up there looking around. And he tells one of the kids, you know, don't peer in my windows. And the kids weren't peering in his windows. I mean, they're probably curious. They're boys, you know, so they probably were. I don't know. But, you know. And so immediately I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have to call Ed. I'm going to need a lawyer for this. I'm not moving the skateboard ramp. You know, and all of a sudden my flesh starts to work out. What are we going to do? My kids are like, okay, dad, if we, if we shoot flaming air, arrows to his house and we burn it down, or maybe he'll move. You know, maybe he'll move. And we start going through all these scenarios. And I'm thinking in my heart, like, oh, I mean, I'm feeling everything. But love for this guy. You know, everything. I mean, how much more obvious. I'm working on this talk about loving your neighbor. And I'm feeling like everything but love. Everything but love. You know? And, and this, you know, on the inside. On the outside, I'm telling my kids, you know, we just got to love. We got to love our neighbor. You know, we got to love him. We got to, you know, we got to really, you know, this is an opportunity for us. We really got to take, you know, we're going to bake him cookies. And Cole's like, Dad, that's the stupidest thing ever. We're not baking him no cookies. No way. You know, and... And, and so it's like this, but, you're gonna, but how I respond, it's either gonna demonstrate how, whether I trust God or not, whether I love God or not. It's gonna be on how I love my neighbor. And so I'm like, honey, you gotta go over and talk to that dude. Because <laughs> I'm not feeling any love. And so she's like, I'm not going over there. She's like, well, anyway, well, I'm not gonna tell you what she said. <laughs> so we're walking over there. We get halfway. She's like, Oh, you should write your, we should give me your business card because it says you're a pastor, you know? So I'm like, oh yeah. So we run back home. I don't have any. I don't have any with me because I never hand them out. And so we write all of our information down. And fortunately his son answers the door. So he's not even there. So we leave all of our information and we go back home. And like an hour later, he's like cutting, cutting the one tree that blocks our view to his house. I'm like, what's he doing? What's it? It's right on the fence, right on the fence. And he's right there and we can see him and he can see us. I'm like, we gotta, we gotta go. We gotta go love our neighbor. Come on, honey. You know, so we go over there, you know, and I punched that mother right in the nose. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. No, I didn't. I introduced myself. I'm the right Reverend Antley Fowler. Nice to meet you. And I said, hey, I said, uh, I said, my name's Antley. I said, um. I said, we, I know he's built the skateboard ramp. I said, I'm so sorry if it's loud. I said, we're doing some things to soundproof it. We're going to, you know, we want to build the screen or we're talking about these different things and da-da-da. And his, and his response was very loving. He's like, you know what? He's like, I'm glad that your kids have a place to go. I'd rather than be here skateboarding, da-da-da-da-da. So he starts talking. Then he says the magical words. The, the only thing is, is that I consider Sunday a rest day. I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. I was like, oh, so do we. I'm a leader of this church. I throw the, the pastor card out there and we just had this amazing conversation. Amazing conversation because my wife allowed God to love our neighbor through us. And I just kind of went along for the ride. But that's the tension we're in. It's tough. It's tough to love God, to trust God with all of our life because we're selfish. I didn't want to do that. I did not want to do that. But the result was amazing. And what happened was, whenever I was able to go back to my kids saying, oh, let me tell you about him. And we we shared his name, da, 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 da. We knew the similar people. We knew some of the same people and whatever he goes to this church. And we had all these relationships in common. And my children's attitude totally changed. It, it just changed from being defensive and Okay, how, you know, how, how much is it going to cost to build a 20-foot brick wall between us and them? You know what I mean? It, it changed from separation to love. It just happened. It just happened as we allowed God to lead us in this area of our heart that we were selfish in, that we were being focused on who we wanted to be, what we wanted, what we thought was best. So our prayer needs to be what, what David's prayer was. We started with eighty six Psalm 86. Teach me your way, O Lord. Just show me, God, create opportunity in my life to where I have to live differently. I have to trust you with more of my life, my life. Because again, as you trust God with more of your life, it's only because you're experiencing more of his love. It's not the other way around. If you're able to trust God with more of your life, it's because you're loving God with more of your heart. So David prays. And so that's the work of the Spirit. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart, not me being divided, unite my heart to fear your name or to worship you. I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart, all of my life, all of my soul, all of my heart. And I will glorify your name forever. Who you trust and who you love will be reflected in your life and the way that you live. As disciples, we need to learn to trust God with all of our life. And as we do, it will only be because we're loving God with more of our heart. How do I learn to trust God with every area of my life? By loving God with every area of your life. How do I learn to trust God with every area of my life? By allowing God's love, by loving God with every area of your life. And as you do that, it will demonstrate what will happen is that your heart will begin to love in those areas, will have loved in those areas as the foundation. By seeing all of your life as discipleship, all of your life created for God's purpose, it will force you into a situation where you're gonna have to learn to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And again, how this works out for all of us is different. You know, I thought about in dating, what what does this look like in practical ways? And and the kind of the quote that came to my mind was, is it good for God? Is this good for God? If you see all of your life, it changes everything. If you see all of your life with discipleship, you talk about dating, like if you're a high school or college student, you're after college or you're single right now, and you see all of your life, then, then dating is about building the kingdom of God and how you treat That girl or that boy is about building the kingdom of God. And so for some of you who are freedom fighters, you need to go to God's word and learn what it says about dating and how does that look like in scripture, about what does that look like in terms of building the kingdom of God, purposing the kingdom of God through your dating life. For some of you, you know everything that says in scripture and you need to be led by the spirit and ask him, Lord, practically, what does this look like? And trusting you in this area of my life. but it will only happen if you see all of life for us for us for you businessmen that have people below you that you manage and that you lead would they say that you love them would they say that all of all of your business all of your activity all of your actions all of your thoughts all that you say all of your heart your soul and your mind in your business place as a reflection of God's kingdom because that's where discipleship is played out. And I can have example after example after example. But each of us probably feels and knows that part of our life we've withheld from God. Which is a reflection that's a part of your heart you haven't trusted Him with. Which means it's a part of your heart you need to learn to love him with. And that works, that only happens by the work of the spirit. So let's stand. And so, this morning, none of us love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And I've said that the only way that this happens is through the work of the Spirit. It's only as God changes our heart to love the Father more that we'll be able to trust Him. And only in trusting Him will we allow Him to lead us. And as we allow him to lead us, we will begin to see that all of our life is discipleship. If we're serious, River City Church, about being disciples of Jesus, it's in ministry time that we need to learn to experience God's love and to love God through the work of the Spirit. So we're just gonna create space right now for you to come forward and just ask God, or just say to God, Lord, I wanna love you with all of my heart. I want to have a whole heart of love towards you So that I trust you with all of my life. And it's only then that you'll be able to love your neighbor. That you'll be able to be a disciple in every area of your life. So let's just, we invite people down now for ministry time. If you're a prayer minister, you can come forward, that'd be great. Like Ashton had said earlier, if you feel like you're struggling with freedom in an area of your life that you've been trying to manage or control and you're failing in, I would love for you to come forward and find freedom today in that. If you'd like physical healing, pray for anything that's physical, that's jacked up in your body, just kind of go over to this cross area and we pray for you over there. But man, what a testimony it would be. As people thought about us as a church, they would say, yeah, they love, they love everybody. And they don't love them just on Sundays. They love everybody all the time. I bump into River City Church people everywhere and they love God. And we would know that that is only because of the work of the spirit, that we've trusted God with that area because he loves us. He's transformed our heart.